Hello everyone. Welcome. If you're a guest here today, I just want to say you're really welcome. We believe we're family in God together and you are really welcome here to be family with us. So we are currently in a sermon series looking at the Gospel of Luke and looking at the parables of Jesus. And um, Jesus was the most amazing storyteller. He was excellent at storytelling. And he told parables. Now, parables are stories, but they have a hidden meaning. So they're simple stories that we can understand. And he knew his audience. So he knew that he was talking to fishermen and farmers. So he would make the stories easy to understand. But if they were humble in heart and they became like children, they would understand something about the kingdom of God. So through his parables and all the parables that we're looking at in this series, Jesus loves to reveal more about the kingdom of God. So if we have humble hearts and we're willing to listen and become like children in faith, he's going to reveal more about his kingdom. Are you up for that? Yeah. Do you want to know more about the Father's love today? Because we are going to look at... Uh, the parable of the lo- well, there's three parables we're going to look at: the lost and found, and one of them is very famous. It's the parable of the prodigal son, which many of you will have heard before. But I believe that God is alive today, that He's with us today, and He's going to speak through His words. So even if you've heard this story before, please have active ears and listen, because I believe God wants to speak to us, and I know He's already here because I've I've seen Him at work already when we did the worship. Some of the contributions that came are so perfect for what I'm going to speak on. I know he's already here and he's just touching people's hearts. And I just feel like there's a buzz. You guys feel the buzz in the room? I, 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 this is a new venue. If you're a guest, you won't know this is a new venue for us. We used to meet here a few um, years ago and we've come back. And I was in the band a few uh, weeks ago when we had the launch and there was this amazing moment where I looked up and there, shimmering in all its glory, was the glitter disco ball hanging from the ceiling. And I thought, wow, like, we love to celebrate, we love to have a party, but we're going to have some amazing parties, now we've got a disco ball. And then just as we were practicing and setting up, some lady came with her um, stepladder and then took it all down. And I was so sad. Turns out that it's in the way of the projector and we can't see the lyrics. Who needs lyrics, hey, when we can have a disco ball? Bring back the disco ball. Um, so we're looking at chapter 15. And um, just to give you some context, I'm sorry, it's actually my fault. We don't have the lyrics on the screen. So if you've got a phone or a Bible, um, please do find uh, Luke 15. And just to give you some context while you're finding it, um, Jesus is telling a story and the Pharisees are grumbling At the beginning of the story, you hear that the Pharisees are grumbling because Jesus has chosen to socialize with what they consider as sinners and lost people. Um, And Jesus is willing to risk his reputation and be rejected by these holy people because he wants to uh, socialize, he wants to be amongst the sinners. And so it's not uncommon for us to come across people like that in our lives. I'm sure some of you have met people that you feel instantly judged by. Um, Sometimes they're religious people and you just feel judged. They don't have to be religious, but we come across people that judge us. And if you're here today and you feel like maybe you're someone who feels judged or you feel like maybe you're not perfect, that you've messed up stuff in your life and you're a bit broken maybe or you feel maybe you're an outsider or you're not welcome in in places of worship, I want to say that Jesus wants to speak to you today. This is what he's saying. 
He wants to um, love you today and reveal himself to you today. And you are so welcome here. Um, The Bible tells us he's still alive and he's going to speak through his word today. And we're going to read this. So chapter 15. Um. I've got the wrong page, sorry. You know those Bibles, the pages are so thin you can't even turn the page. Hmm. I got it. It's coming. (laughs) Okay, thanks for your patience. Okay. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. He told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that's lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays on his, on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that land, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants." And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he felt compassion. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let's eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came, he drew near to the house and he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and he asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he he has received him back safe and sound. 
But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you, I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Wow. What a story. I think it's kind of funny that I've been asked to teach on the lost and found. I'm one of those people who finds it very easy to lose things. And I think it's probably in the name, Alice. You know, anyone that knows the most famous Alice in the world is Alice in Wonderland. I think my dad named me. My mum wanted to call me Harry, whether I was a boy or a girl. (laughs) And my dad took one look at me and said, no, she's an Alice. And I think it was a prophetic move. He knew I was going to be a daydreamer. He knew I was going to be a daydreamer. And when you're a dreamer, you can get lost in the moment and then you can just lose whatever you've got on you at that time. And I'm, I mean, the last few months have been particularly bad. I've lost my sunglasses, which were a nice pair of sunglasses. And they weren't just nice sunglasses. My mum gave them to me, so they had sentimental value. They were on my head one minute and they were gone the next I, use, I lose guitar plectrums all the time, and they just disappear. I think they have wings, and just fly away. I've lost uh, my favourite jumper a few weeks ago. And this week, the item, lost item of the week was my glove. Gloves are the worst, aren't they? Uh, oh, I can't even remember which hand it was. But I was on the tube going to see my friend on Thursday night, and I looked down, I had my cycling helmet, I had my glove, and then I was like... <gasps> Where's the other glove? Now, bearing in mind, I'd bought these gloves two weeks ago, okay? And they're cycling gloves, so they protect my hands in the wind and the rain. They're nice gloves. And I've waited two years to get these gloves because the last pair I lost. <laughs> and I lost them very soon after I bought them. So I was like, as a punishment to myself, I'm not going to buy any more for a long time. And I just borrowed some hand-me-downs off my mum. And so when I looked down on Thursday night and saw I was like, no. I can't have lost it already. I've only just bought them. And so I was like, right, this is not happening. So I got back on the tube and I went back up the, the Victoria line, got to my station. And I said to the TFL people, I've lost my glove. You have to help me. Just let me out. It'll be two minutes. I need to go and check on the street. So I ran out. They were like, okay. I ran out and I retraced my steps and I found my bike. And I'm there on the floor waving at me with my little glove. Yay! <laughs> So I ran back in and I said to the TFL staff, I was like, look, I found my car. And they were like, yeah, cool. And I was like, you don't understand. And sometimes when we find things, the joy that we have is in relation to how much that thing is worth to us. And like, yeah, it's just a glove. But if you know the backstory, which you guys do now, it meant a lot. Okay, that, that glove was, was very valuable to me. And so um, when Jesus is talking through his parables here, he says repeatedly, In all three of these parables, there is more joy in heaven when the lost are found. So, in in the first the story with um, in the first story with the sheep and the shepherd, he says, "Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost." Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety nine righteous people who need no repentance. And then with the woman with the lost coin, she says, "Rejoice with me, I have found the coin that I have lost." 
Just so I tell you, there is more joy in heaven. There is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. She's sharing her joy. There's something like me with the TFL stuff. I wanted to share my joy. I was so excited about a glove. Think how much more excited this woman is. This is probably her pension, this, this coin. And she probably had a house where there was no windows. So trying to find something in the dark like that, a tiny little coin, was a pretty big deal. And so she invited her neighbours over. She was like, let's celebrate. And, and the same with the shepherd. He was inviting the neighbours over. Let's celebrate. There's something you want to joy. And Jesus is saying through all of these parables, there is joy in heaven. Just think about that. Think about what joy and celebration in heaven looks like when all the angels are taking part, the, the seraphim and the cherubim. Imagine, imagine the sound of that let alone what it looks like, thousands upon thousands of angels just celebrating. That's what happens every time someone who's lost repents and turns to Jesus. It's beautiful. And then in, in the prodigal son story, he says at the end, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is found. So we think, why celebrate? There's something not quite right here. This son is clearly really naughty well he was bad he did some really horrible things to his family he was really offensive he he went out and squandered all this money his inheritance and he comes home and so why are we having a party when surely if you're a parent you don't have a party when your child does wrong do you i mean i'm not a parent but i'm pretty sure that when your child does something wrong you don't celebrate and you can kind of sympathize with, with the older brother who says, son, um, who says, I was always good to you. I haven't run away and spent all your money. And the father says, son, you were always with me. Everything I have is yours. But your brother was dead, and now he's alive. So Jesus is saying, for those who are with me and stay with me, you will always have my love. You will always have my inheritance. My inheritance is yours. You have lost nothing. But if someone who's lost everything and has walked away from me turns back, it is totally fitting to celebrate. If they're coming home, let's celebrate because they've lost everything. This son lost everything, his inheritance, and he's coming back. So it's only fitting to have a party. This man, this younger son, started out as a wealthy man. So the people listening to the story are thinking, he had everything. He, he was a landowner. He had an amazing family. He had servants. He was a rich man, and he chose to walk away. Not only did he choose, choose to walk away, but he asked for his inheritance early. Now, this is quite offensive. In Jewish culture, or in any culture, if you ask for your inheritance early, it's like saying, can you just hurry up and die because I want my money? It's pretty much what he's saying. And then he sold the land. So like to get the cash and run, he had to sell the land. So the father and the brother are thinking, we've had to just give part of our estate away so he can have cash and go and spend it and do what he wants. And then he squanders it. He doesn't, he's not even a businessman. He doesn't go and like make money and, and you know, bring back double the amount or do some really great thing and do, I don't know, some energy conservation thing and, you know vegan farm, you know, he doesn't do anything like that, anything good for the community. He just spends it on himself. And then he works with pigs. Now, pigs in Jewish culture are really unclean, and it's, if you even touch one, you become unclean and you're put out of the community. So for him to work with them, let alone touch them, let alone want to eat their food, for the people listening, they're thinking, ugh, that is repulsive. And then, to top it all off, he comes home. 
This would be massive. He's coming home and bringing his shame back onto the family. So when the father says, my son was dead, he really means he was dead to him. So in Deuteronomy, in Jewish law, in Deuteronomy 21, it says, if a son is repeatedly rebellious, if they're greedy and a drunk, they deserve to be stoned, taken outside of the community and stoned and put to death. So when the father's saying, he was dead to me, he literally meant it. This son was worthy of death. He was worthy of being taken out of the community and stoned to death. And he knew that if the son came back, the community would take it upon themselves to take him out of the community and kill him. So when he says he was dead to me, he really means it. So what happened? What happened to make the father celebrate and suddenly go from the son rebelling to having a party? And Jesus gives us a clue. There's a change of heart in the son. He's not just sorry for what he's done. He's not just sitting in his own mess going, I'm just a terrible person. He has a change of heart and he humbles himself. And he says, I'm, not, I'm no longer worthy I'm no longer worthy to be a son. He recognizes it. But if I could just be a servant, if I could just be a servant in my father's house, that would be so much better than being a slave in this world and having nothing. So something happens in our repentance. If we truly repent, not if we're just sorry for ourselves and what we've done, but if we truly repent and turn back to the Father, God, there's something that happens that shifts in heaven and earth. And it's mysterious and it's glorious. And even, even there's something that shifts when our hearts change. Like even forgiveness. Like I've had it where I've forgiven people who've really hurt me. Even like family members who you love and they've really hurt you. But somehow, by the grace of God, we forgive them. Something happens in heaven with that forgiveness. When we change our hearts. And I've experienced it where I've forgiven someone. I haven't said anything to them. I've seen them again, and suddenly the relationship's changed. They don't even know that I've forgiven them. But something, something dynamic in heaven and earth changes when, we, when, we're, when our hearts change. And it's like the father knows that something has changed in his son's heart because there is compassion from the father before there's confession. There's compassion before confession. So he sees him from a long way off. He hasn't even confessed anything yet. And the, and the father sees him and runs. And for a Jewish man to run is, is pretty spectacular and pretty offensive to everyone because they are a men of nobility. He was a man of nobility and he walked and he had dignity. He wouldn't hitch up his, his clothes and run, but this father did. And he ran to cover the shame and to protect him from... The, the locals that probably would want to stone him and kill him. There's compassion before there's confession. And then he covers him with the best robes. He says to the servant, go and get the best robes, get the ring, give him shoes. He's no longer a slave, he's a son. By putting the ring on, he's making him a son. By giving him shoes, he's no longer a slave. He is a son and he's covered in robes. And when we come back to the Father, he covers us in his royal robes. And he takes off our shame. It's so beautiful. And he says, this son of mine was dead and is now alive. Let's celebrate. And everyone is listening, is really shocked. And they're saying, what is Jesus saying here? How can someone who's so offensive and so sinful come to the Father and have no judgment, no punishment, no condemnation, no shame, and get treated like royalty? something's missing here. Like, how does this happen? And Jesus is saying through these parables, this is the way of the kingdom. 
Those who are righteous and faithful, you will always have my love. You will live peacefully in my kingdom with me. But those who rebel against me and walk away from me, you will find your own suffering. You will find destruction. If you don't destroy yourself, somebody else will. You'll be outside of my my protection and you'll be outside of my grace. But if you humble yourself, admit your rebellion and repent of your wrongs, I will see your heart. He sees our hearts. He sees everything in our hearts. And I will run to you and I will cover your shame. I will not punish you. I will not condemn you. But I will clothe you in royal robes. And you'll be a part of my family and you will live forever with me. And I'm going to celebrate and all of heaven and earth are going to have a party with disco glitterballs. <laughs> that was my added bit. <laughs> um, because you were lost and now you're found. You were dead and now you're alive. Who loves like that? Who loves like that? When I was preparing this, I was just reminded of that hymn, uh, Amazing Love. So, my Lord, what love is this that pays so dearly that I, the guilty one, may go free? What love is this that we, the guilty ones, can go free? And Jesus is sending a message to the Pharisees that are scorning him from sitting with the sinners, saying there's a party in heaven when one of these sinners repents. When the lost are found, when the dead come alive. So the Pharisees were so occupied with trying to be holy. You kind of sympathize with them. Pharisees aren't just bad people. They were actually trying to be holy. They were trying to be good and keep the laws so that they could go into the temple and be in the presence of God. But they were so occupied with keeping the rules and keeping the laws, they actually missed God when he was right in front of them. And they missed the mercy of God. And they missed the gospel and, and, and the fact that the gospel and, and God is, is about grace and mercy, that the kingdom of God is not about rules and regulations, it's about grace and mercy. And sometimes we can get so caught up in rules and regulations, we forget and we miss, wow, boom, there's, there's grace and there's mercy. And, and you know, there's, there's so many people that we'll come across that, that think, and even ourselves, we can be prone to thinking we can earn our way to heaven. We forget that it's by grace we've been saved. It's a gift of God. It's nothing we've done to earn it. It's a gift from God that we receive. And um, we forget that it's not about rules and that actually no one is more important than next. I'm not more important than anyone else in this room Andy playing the music is not more important than anyone else in this room because he's playing the music or because we've been given a position of responsibility. All of us are on the same page in front of God. No matter what we've done, all of us are on the same playing field. And when you look at those three parables, the, the, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep, and the parable of the son, there was, well, especially the first two, there was nothing different about that coin or the sheep compared to the others. So that one coin out of the ten, it wasn't, he didn't say it was the dirty coin or the broken coin that got lost. It was the coin. It was the same as all the others. And the sheep wasn't the black sheep. <laughs> Some of us feel like black sheep. It wasn't the black sheep. It wasn't the naughty sheep. It was the sheep. And, and, the, and the shepherd left the 99 to go and find that sheep. And that is what Jesus is saying, that God runs after us. He loves us. And we're no different before him than anyone else. We're just either lost or we're found. And so, I guess my first point that I pull out from this whole parable is that there is celebration in heaven when we turn and repent. And, there, and we turn to him and receive his love and his sacrifice for us. And my second point is that he's compassionate and merci- merciful. 
and his love is powerful. Sometimes we think God's some kind of like headmaster who's like, oh no, you haven't done that again, have you? Like he's keeping a record of everything. If you read this passage, you see that Jesus is saying this is, God is compassionate. He is like the Father. He is compassionate and he runs after us. And you think there's still something missing here because surely there's consequences to our sins. Surely there's, there's consequences to our actions. How can the Son be go from being causing so much pain to suddenly being a joy and a delight. And there's just that mysterious key in the repentance. There's that shift in heaven and earth. And if you're unfamiliar with the Gospels, you can read the rest of this Gospel of Luke, and it's just beautiful. It just tells us that actually God's love is deeper and more beautiful than we know. He's not just a good father, but he's faithful. He's honest. He's compassionate. He's merciful. He's full of love. He is the source of love. He loves us more than our parents loved us, loves us. He created us in our mother's womb. He breathed breath into our lungs. He watches over us every day of our life. He knows the number of hairs on our heads. He sings over us when we sleep. He is holy and he is pure. He is very holy and very pure. And that is why when we rebel and we turn against him, it's so offensive. And he can't be in our presence. So every time we choose to do things our way, sin, sin can be this word that sometimes we just say and we don't really think about what it means, but actually it means we just miss the mark. And we all do that. We all, like Adam and Eve, the first sinners, they turned away from God and said, actually, I think I, I, think I know how to do this myself. I'm going to do it my way. And we all do that. And we all sin. We all think, actually, I think I know better. It's really arrogant. We all do it. And so we're all sinners. But when we turn and we run back to him, he makes us saints. And we can choose the rebellious path like the younger son. And we can let destruction come or let others destroy us. Or we can be like the sheep that wanders off and finds ourselves in a ditch. We can so easily get lost through a series of bad decisions, get stuck, get enslaved, it's so easy. There's so many things in this world that tempt us away. And they're so present and tangible. And they're so much more exciting. Or it feels like they're so much more exciting. And we just follow. We're like sheep, aren't we? Have you ever seen sheep? I saw some sheep on a hill once. And they were all in a line. And I was like, that's hilarious. I had to stop and take a picture. They were in a massive field. And they were all in a line. I'm like, what is that? And it's because they follow each other. And that's what we do. We just follow each other. Oh, that sounds cool. That person's doing that. I'm going to go over here. And then we forget to look at the shepherd. The shepherd's there to guide us, but we're like, oh, but that sheep's doing something really fun over there. And sometimes we just need to remember to come back and look to the shepherd. Because God loves us so much, he has made a way for us to come back to him, and he hasn't left us in the ditch. He is the good shepherd, and his mercy triumphs over judgment, and his mercy is greater than our worst ever sin. And he pursues us, and he's done everything he can to make sure that we can go back to him. If we repent, we all know the famous passage in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus' death wasn't in vain. It's not just a story that you hear at school. It was real. Jesus died on the cross. That is something that actually happened. And he died to pay for all of our sin. He was innocent and perfect and pure and holy and his sacrifice was enough to pay for the sins of the world. 
It's incredible. And his, his power, is, it blows our mind when we think that perfect sacrifice, Jesus' body on the cross, that was enough to pay for the worst sin I ever committed, the worst day of my life. Jesus was thinking of me and thinking, I choose you. I'm going to choose to love you in that moment. And that's what he's saying to us today. He dealt with our sin on the cross. He's paid with it with his life. And by his broken body, we're made whole. And if you think that maybe you're, you've done, you think, Alice, you don't understand what I've done. You don't know where I've been or what's been done to me. On your darkest day, Jesus chose you and said, I'm going to love you and I'm going to make a way for you to come back to the Father on your darkest day. And we're just proud if we don't accept that. Isaiah 53 says, We are all like sheep and have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That was written before Jesus was even born. That was a prophecy in Isaiah. We all like sheep have gone astray, turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was the rich son who had everything in heaven and earth. He had the greatest inheritance ever known. And he gave it up to die on the cross so that we might inherit that inheritance. How amazing is that? He was the son that went to the father and said, what do you want me to do? And the father said, I want you to go to the cross so that my lost children can come home. He took the blame, he took the shame, he took the punishment that we deserved and he nailed it to the cross. So our future depends on that cross. Our sins have been paid for. He is the God that turns and rescues. He, he has turned and rescued us, and we just need to, to turn to him, and he will be like that shepherd. He will come, and he'll put us on his shoulders, and he'll carry us home, and he'll have a party. He will clothe us in royal robes. He will take off our clothes of shame. It was significant. We did that earlier in the worship where we, we took off those things that were weighing us down, and we kind of stamped on them. And it's like God does that. He takes off our shame. You don't have to wear your shame anymore when you come to Jesus. He replaces it with royal robes of righteousness. And he puts a ring on your finger and he says, you are adopted into my family. You are now holy. You've been made pure. You're not a servant. You're not even a servant in my kingdom. You are a son and a daughter. Wow. Isn't that incredible? And the best bit, the icing on the cake, is that he puts his Holy Spirit inside of us. So the Pharisees were desperate to try and get into the presence of God and be good and holy. But by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, when we turn to him, he puts his presence inside of us. It's amazing. Is it simple? Yes, it's very simple. All we need to do is turn to him and believe and repent. Is it easy? No. Humbling ourselves, it's very hard. Sometimes we find ourselves in the ditch before we realize how far we've come and how much we need him. We're so blind to our pride and our offense is so great and we're so fixed, our hearts are so fixed on seeking our own glory and putting ourselves first. It's very hard, but it's simple. Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be given to you. That's what he says. I'm the good shepherd, follow me. So easy. So simple, not easy. <laughs> it's hard, but it's very simple. I had a prophetic picture as I was preparing this of a man in a box, and he 
was kind of curled up in the fetal position and he was crying and I just saw God looking on and saying, it just, I just felt his compassion over that. And I feel like there's someone or people here today who feel broken, they feel lost, they feel alone and they feel like, it's, it was almost like a coffin, it was this box, it didn't have a lid on it but it was like a box, like a coffin and God's saying he weeps over your brokenness. He's made a way for you to come back into his family. You just need to turn to him and he will restore you. He doesn't force us to come back because love is free. Love isn't something that he forces on us. We don't, when we're here and we invite people here, we're not, we're not forcing people to believe. You can't do that. It's not real. Love isn't, love isn't real when it's forced. We choose to believe. And when we choose to love someone and to turn to them, it's so beautiful because it's chosen And God is saying he loves us. He chose us. And then when we turn to him, he is overjoyed. And he says, you can come alive in me. You can find true peace and joy in me. You were once dead in your spirit, and I will make you alive. And some people celebrate more than others. You know how, like, you have the people at the front that are going for it, and you think, why why are they celebrating more? And, and I think sometimes you just, when you have a revelation, if you've been in prison and you get set free, you suddenly know the amazing thing, like the power of being, how far you've come and the power of the freedom that comes. And if you've been really sick and God's healed you, you suddenly get just a greater understanding. And the younger son, he'd come from so far, he was so depraved de- and, and lost he was so happy and free and, and the celebration was so amazing so where do we go from here to round this up we can recognise our hunger and our idols we can recognise where we've been directing our worship where we've been putting ourselves first so whether you're a believer here this morning or a non-believer you are hungry for glory we're all hungry for glory and we have this hunger inside of us but we are made in the image of, God, image of God to reflect his glory. And we can redirect our worship to him. And worship him. Because our hunger is going to lead us away. And the hunger is desire. We have these desires and it's real. And it, it makes us emotional. There's a guy in America. I don't know if it's John Mark McMillan or John Tyson that, um, a preacher, and he says, your greatest desire is not your deepest desire. Just think about that. Your greatest desire is not your deepest desire. Sometimes you might have this really overwhelming desire, but it's not your deepest desire. Your deepest desire might be something like acceptance and love. But right now, you just want that thing. If you just have that thing, then you'll have peace. But really, your deepest desire is actually acceptance and love. Hunger led Adam and Eve to sin. They were hungry for knowledge. Hunger led the Israelites to sin in the desert. They were hungry for meat. God gave them manna, bread from heaven. But they wanted meat. And hunger leads us to sin. We all want more. We want to feed ourselves and fill our desires. And we take really good things like marriage and homes and friendships and careers and we make them into mini-gods. If, we just, if I just achieve that thing, If I just make it there, if I just have that relationship, if I just have that child, then I'll be at peace. 
And we look at these things to satisfy us. And then when they fail us, we get angry and upset. And we lash out. We try and find something else to fill that hole. But God sees straight into our hearts. And he sees when we're worshipping idols. He sees when we're getting lost like sheep. And if you worship money, you'll never feel like you have enough. If you worship education, you'll feel like you're never qualified enough. If you worship beauty, you'll strive for it and you never feel um, beautiful enough. If you worship power, you'll feel weak and afraid. And this idol will eat, eat you up until one day, like the young son, you realize you've walked so far away from the one true person that can ever give you peace and truth and a home and love and fulfillment that you don't know how to get back. But nobody can love like Jesus. No one can feel that deep hunger. And when it fills you, it's stronger than death. Because he overcame death for our freedom, that we might be set free from death. While we were still enemies, he loved us. So it's helpful now to think about what are those idols and acknowledge them and find someone to, to talk to about it and to repent. And you can call upon the one who has supernatural strength to help you to walk free from that. He's the one that sets the prisoners free. He's the one that rescues us from darkness. Like Davina was saying earlier, he is the light in the darkness. Because of what Jesus has done, we can have the confidence to go back. Like we were singing earlier, we're the confident because he has risen from the grave. That's where your confidence comes from. Not because of anything you've done, but from him. And so... We can be ready to receive the Holy Spirit. If we turn to him, he'll cover our shame. He will give us robes of righteousness. He'll put a ring on our finger. And we can receive the Holy Spirit and the presence of God wherever we go. We are no longer enslaved to these things. We're no longer controlled by our sinful nature. If the Spirit of God lives inside of us, we're led by the Spirit of Christ. And that passage that Malcolm read earlier from Romans was spot on. That when we have the Spirit inside of us, we're led by the Spirit And the Spirit says we're no longer slaves, but we're sons of God, by which we cry, Abba, Father. We we have the Spirit of God living inside of us. And we get to share in this amazing inheritance that Jesus has brought for us. What did Jesus do with the inheritance that he was given? He gave it away. He went to the Father. And the younger son, when he came back to the father, he realized his true inheritance was love. It wasn't the money. But he had to become humbled in heart and become like a servant and say, I'm willing to be a servant before he really realized his sonship and he really realized that his inheritance was love. And we can be the same. We have an inheritance in the the kingdom because of what Jesus has done for us. And we can share that. God's kingdom is here today and he wants to bring his kingdom here today. And what does this kingdom look like? We'll be seeing through these parables is healing, is deliverance. Like we were singing songs of deliverance earlier. The lost are found. The sick are healed. And I believe he can bring his kingdom here today. But our worship must be stronger. Our worship of God must be stronger than our worship of things. And we need to reshape our worship and realign it so that we're worshipping God and putting him first. So let us be remembered by our generosity 
in the sharing the kingdom and sharing our heritage. Let us not be like the younger son who just lives for themselves. Let us go to the father, go to the shepherd and say, what do you want us to do with this inheritance? Let us worship him first and him alone. And let us be like servants and go to him and ask what he wants us to do. So I'm going to wrap that up now. And um, I'm just going to invite people, if you feel like maybe you've been stirred in your heart today and maybe you're not a believer and you're here and you think, I would love to know Jesus. I would love to follow him. I'm stuck in a ditch and I need some help. Then please do come forward and we'll pray with you. If you're a believer and you feel you know Jesus, but you've somehow been like a sheep and you've wandered off and you've somehow got stuck in a ditch and you, you want to repent and just know his grace and forgiveness, then come forward and pray. And if you feel like you want to know the kingdom of God, that maybe you're sick and you need healing, he is here today. He, he, his power is the same yesterday, today and forever, and he is here and he can heal you from sicknesses. So come forward. And if Andy's going to play a song for us and... Um, If anyone wants to take bread and wine, you can take bread and wine. And if anyone wants prayer...